We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If we're being honest and objective, there's still a lot of questions that we're going to have to learn about this room. And here are the five biggest questions for me when looking at the running back room. And we kind of do this with every show. We, we talk about, you know, what are the question marks that you have at the position? And, and when you have a group that has this kind of talent, it, you know, sometimes you can ignore the questions because you're just, yeah, it's talent, it's talent, it's talent. But there, there are some legitimate questions that we have to ask. And not all questions are negative. Some are, a lot of these are just, the unknowns about what it's going to look like. And so that's what this conversation to me is going to be about is just what is it going to look like? And number one, and this is, this is, again, this is more of an unknown than it is anything else is what will the running back, you know, what, what will the adjustment into the, you know, Notre Dame Mike Dembrock offense look like for the running backs. And this is an interesting one because if you just look at what Mike Dembrock did at LSU, and if you just look at what Mike Dembrock did at Cincinnati, you're going to say, well, I really don't know how this is going to look. I don't know how this room is going to be because when you look at the production they had, I mean, they were exclusively 11 personnel. I can't remember, but a couple snaps, we had two backs on the field at the same time. This past year, the the you know, you'd have to get to the fourth running back to before they get to a – actually, it's the third running back before you get to 1,000 rushing yards from the backs. Your top rusher this past year was your quarterback who had 1,100 yards. Your next best back was Logan Diggs, who had 653, 284 for Josh Williams, 181 for Noah Kane, 165 for Caleb Jackson. But you looked at all the you – know, John Emery Jr. had 23 carries last year. You look at all the production from the backs, and you say, you know, that, that's a decent amount of yards, but nobody was the guy. And they very rarely played them together. And and when you look at the the production in other areas, I mean – your top two backs had 22 catches. Your your bottom backs had, you know, 10, you're about 32 catches. That's a decent amount of production at receiver, but it was all check downs, swing routes, those things along those lines. That's how they that's how they used it. And when you look at Cincinnati, it was a similar situation at Cincinnati where it was primarily one back that got the majority of the touches. You look at their last year at Cincinnati, 2021, Jerome Ford Jr. or Jerome Ford had 1,320 rushing yards, 215 carries, 19 rushing touchdowns. Your next back, Ryan Montgomery, had 46 carries for the under 12 yards. Your next back only had 190 yards. Your next back had 153. 
And, you know, 2020, 2020, you had a little bit more of a, of a split role, but neither back had more than 600, uh, had up to 700 yards. So you're like, you know, we haven't seen that from Mike Denbrock. Now, the, the closest thing he had to that was the Notre Dame running back room back in 2015. When you do, if you're just looking at production, and, and I'll get into the context here in a second. That year, CJ Procise rushed for 1,029 yards. Josh Adams, your number two back, had 838 yards and six touchdowns. CJ had 11 touchdowns. Your next closest back only had 21 carries. Uh, and, and then your quarterback had 520 rushing yards. Malik had 103, so he had 623 rushing yards from your quarterbacks. So you had a really nice one-two punch. But if you remember how that year played out, however, you didn't see a lot of Josh and CJ playing together. You, you saw Torian get hurt in the first game. Josh comes in and plays has two touchdowns in the game on five carries only has five carries total. The next two games just came in, carried the ball a couple times and came off the field, had over hundred yards against UMass against their backups. Hardly played at all. Didn't play much against Clemson, played a little bit of mop up duty against Navy comes in against USC, carries the ball one time in the first half, rips off a 26 yard run. We don't see him again. He doesn't play. He doesn't carry the ball at all against temple. Then all of a sudden Josh goes for 147 against Pitt, 141 against wake 39 against BC 168 against Stanford, 78 against Ohio State. Like, oh, great. That's that's great. Well, the problem was is it, it that was just that coincided with when CJ got hurt. You know, because CJ was the lead back. CJ got hurt against Pitt, if you remember, after five carries. Didn't play against Wake. Came back against BC. That was Josh's lowest yardage total over the end of the season. Didn't play against Stanford. Tried to play against Ohio State. Got hurt again early and wasn't able to do anything. So we didn't see even then – Although the production had great one-two punch, we didn't see Mike Denbrock use two backs together. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But I, but so, so that context has to be considered. How will Mike Dembrock use multiple backs? Will it just be in a rotation, one guy at a time? Will he have one feature back and then everybody else compliments? We don't know the answers to that. Can Mike Denbrock use two backs at a time? Well, we have no evidence that that's ever been a part of what he's done offensively. Having said that, it would not shock me if we do. And here's why I say that. Mike Denbrock's never had a one-two punch at running back like he has now. Now, I'm not saying this is the most talented running back room he's ever had. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying when you look at Mike Denbrock's offense, he's never had two guys that complement each other the way that they do 
in 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 as far as the pass game. He hasn't had a running back like Jeremiah Love that can be that line up in the slot and give you the same looks out of 11 personnel and a lot of your pass concepts that, you know, excuse me, same looks out of 21 personnel, two backs, one tight, two receivers, as you do out of 11 personnel, one back, one tight, three receivers. And, and so that's a whole different element in the throwing game when you've got a guy like Jeremiah, but you also have two home run hitters that are not freshmen. Now, as the other thing, Josh was a Josh was a straight ahead, one cut and go vertical home run hitter as a freshman. There was no way to really complement that with CJ Procise in the same way. You, know, you could have used CJ that way, but CJ was your lead back at the time. And so it's a little bit more challenging to do it that way. And then honestly, I don't think that was necessarily 100% Mike Denbrock's call if he wanted to do more of that. Now, however, this is 100% Mike Denbrock's call. And we have to ask ourselves, has he shown enough creativity and versatility to adjust to his personnel this way? And my answer would be yes. And my evidence of that does not come from what he has done at any point in time with running backs. It's what he's done with tight ends. Mike Denbrock has rarely had two tight ends that were good enough to play a bunch together, if we're going to be honest about it. If you look at this past season with LSU, I, I'm, I'm so what for those who don't know, I'm breaking down the nine games they played against um, power five teams this year. So it'd be the eight conference games plus Florida State. And I'm going through it. And I mean, I'm charting everything hash personnel. Is it three by one, two by two, four by one, four by oh, whatever uh, the backfield, the back alignment, the motion, the play direction of the play dropped sequence, what the results are, all that stuff. I'm going to have a ton of breakdowns, statistical breakdowns, film breakdowns, all going to be for the message board only. But as I'm going through it, it's like there's one thing that's just not going to be a very fun chart to discuss, and that is the personnel groupings because they are 90-plus percent 11 personnel. Like 90 I, – I haven't done the math, but I'd be willing to bet in non-goal line situations, they're over 95% 11 personnel. I'd be willing to bet that. And when you look at the play of the tight ends last year, Mason Taylor had 676 snaps. Mac Markway was the next closest at 160. He played 60 snaps. 60 of those snaps came against uh, early in the season against Mississippi State. Well, I believe that was a game where J- uh, Mason Taylor was injured. So he didn't play that game. The other game he played a bunch of snaps was against Army, a team that they they blew out, I think it was like by almost 50 points, something crazy like over 50 points. It's like I think it was like 62 to 3, 7 or something crazy like that, like in the same blowout. So he played a lot of snaps then. So over half his snaps came in either a blowout or uh, a game where your starter got hurt. That that's that's where the production came from. And he played 34 snaps against Grambling. So if you actually look at it, over 100 of his 160 snaps came in blowout or injury replacement snaps. After that, the next highest snaps for a tight end last year was 56. That's it. I mean, that's nowhere close to what Notre Dame does with their tight ends. And and then you look at, you know, the previous year, somewhat similar story. You did have a second tight end that played over 200 snaps. Not a ton. Mason Taylor, again, dominated the snaps. But then I go back to his time at Cincinnati. And I, and I think about what he did during his tenure at Cincinnati. And there was a year, I think it was 2020, 
let me pull this up real quick just to be sure. It was, I believe, 2020 during the COVID year. Yes, I am correct on that. He had a – his receiving core was kind of up and coming. They weren't quite there yet. They didn't have – they didn't have um, uh, Tyler Scott on the team. Trey Tucker was playing, but he's still young. He only had 18 catches that year. Alex Pierce was kind of just starting to break out, got hurt. Only played six games, didn't play a lot early, kind of broke out late. That was the the year that Alex Pierce kind of broke out a little bit for them. Was was good the year before, but really broke out in 2021, but started to show that in, at the end of 2020. I mean, Michael Young was a good player for them, but they had two really good tight ends that season, and he played them a bunch. And and so you look at, at it, Josh Wiley that year, who was their starter, led the team in receiving yards. Uh, whereas it's been complimentary in most years, had 610 snaps. Leonard Taylor in 2020, uh, excuse me, actually, that's, let me, I'm looking at the wrong year. Let me pull this up. In 2020, the year that I'm referring to, you had Leonard Taylor actually played more snaps than Josh Wiley, even though he didn't have as many catches, 324. Josh Wiley had 260. And then Bruno LaBelle played 284. He had three tight ends that played a bunch that year. In 2021, similar story with two guys this time. Uh, Josh Wiley played 516 snaps. Leonard Taylor played 573 snaps. So why the difference? Because that's what the personnel dictated. He had two outstanding tight ends, three good starters at receiver that year, and a good backup in, in, in Michael Young, but not a lot behind that. And you had two two tight ends that could block and make plays in the pass game. So you saw Mike Denbrock adjust his offense to, to, to focus on the tight ends more, the position he coached. Then he goes to LSU. He doesn't have the same depth at tight end, and they're very deep at wide receiver, and they become more of a wide receiver dominant offense. And, and so what we have seen Mike Denbrock, if the personnel for, you know dictates it, is willing to adjust what we see primarily from him to fit the personnel. I have a great deal of respect for Mike Denbrock. You guys have heard me praise him for years. I mean, as long as I've been doing the Irish Breakdown show, whenever we talk about Mike Denbrock, I have great things to say about him. I just have a hard time believing that a guy like Mike Denbrock, who's coached all the positions he has in his career, is going to look at this offense and say, yeah, one back at a time all the time. I just have a hard time with that. And so I do think we're going to see more of an adjustment to fit the running back personnel. That's a prediction. That's not a statement of fact. It's not a, it, I haven't been told that. I don't know that. I just am looking at Mike Denbrock's track record and saying, this is the guy that understands the importance of using his personnel. And I know there's a lot of excitement at Notre Dame about the talent they have at running back, not just love, not just price. Not just Love and Bryce, but Love, Bryce, Payne, Ford, Young, Williams, the whole group. And I just have a hard time believing that Mike Denbrock's going to look at that group and say, I don't need to use more than one or two guys. I just, I have a hard time with it. So, but right now, that's a prediction. That's not, that's not knowledge. So it's a, it's a question. And that's what this is about. Question number two, how will Riley Leonard impact the running back group? Now, this might come across as a negative, but it's not intended to be one. It is a legitimate question that could maybe take some touches away from them, but maybe not. I mean, that's the thing is like when you have a guy like Riley Leonard, who two years ago in his one full season as a starter, had 699 rushing yards and 13 rushing touchdowns, dynamic runner, 
And that was not all scrambles. He was a guy, he's a guy that will run read zone. He'll run QB power. He'll run QB outside zone. He'll, he'll tuck it and run. Obviously, of course, when he, when he drops back and throws as well, they'll do, you know, we saw LSU had some plays this past couple of years where they would run an RPO look out of empty where they would run past concepts of both sides. And then they'd run quarterback draw with the offensive line. If the team, if the defense bails out of the box, he then steps up and will will run the draw. Well, that's something obviously you continue with, with Riley Leonard as well. So there is a chance that with a quarterback like Riley Leonard and Mike Denbrock's penchant for wanting to also throw the football a decent amount, that you're just not going to see the type of carry numbers on, on top of clock rules that you saw two years ago. So there is a chance that the, the, the run game touches may be a little less than you expect. But then there's the counter. How does it impact the running back room? When you have a quarterback like Riley Leonard that teams have to focus so much attention on, when you have one of the best tight ends in college football coming back and you have a decent talent receiver, teams can't just focus on one group the way that they did in 2023 at times. So even though Riley Leonard may may take some touches away, especially in the bigger games from the running back room, at least in the run game, you also have to think about the idea of having a player that teams have to impact, have to focus so much on, then creates more opportunities for the running back room to rip off big plays. And I broke this down. I did a, if you haven't seen it, it, it you can go look through our, our old YouTube channel stuff. I did a breakdown of, I basically broke down what RPOs were. And, and there were part of the RPO package I had with Notre Dame back then was they would run read zone with a quarterback, uh, a quarterback, you know, inside zone read option. And there was a play on there where they it was against USC in 2017. They ran inside zone to the left. So running left, cut back right. Alex Bars makes this great block, takes a, you know inside arm, outside arm, throws the defensive lineman into the A-gap because he was trying to free up the B-gap. Josh Adams reads it perfectly, vertical insertion, boom, 80-yard touchdown. But the reason it was an 80-yard touchdown and not just a seven- or eight-yard gain is because you watch the backside linebacker the overhanging player and the safety all ran with Brandon Wimbush because they were petrified of Brandon Wimbush pulling the ball and running. Now, somebody made a mistake that clearly they didn't intend for three guys to run with Brandon Wimbush, but that's the impact that a quarterback that can have because he can get you thinking about him even when he's not technically your guy. And Brandon sold the fake effectively, really effectively, and Josh runs 80 yards untouched against the top 10 team. And so that's the kind of impact that Riley Leonard can have. So you say, well, well, instead of you know 150 touches your carries, maybe Jeremiah Price only has 120 carries. But now you say, okay, but he may be a guy that could you know maybe get up around six and a half to seven yards a carry, if not greater, because even though he may not touch it a ton, the emphasis that Riley Le- your teams have to play on Riley Leonard is going to have a, an impact on the on the potential to rip off big runs. If we were talking about quarterbacks, I would make the counter argument. How will the impact of the town at running back? What, what will the impact be of the town to running back room on Riley Leonard? And, and and what I mean by that is you don't have to carry Riley Leonard doesn't have to carry the ball as much as he did against as he did at Duke. That's the reality, right? He doesn't have to do it as much. You don't have to carry have him carry the ball 120 times. Maybe only carries it 80. You know, overall, it's, you're still going to scramble. You're still going to see those type of things. But now you don't have to have him carry the ball 
15, 18 times like we saw Riley do at times when he was at Duke, where if he didn't do that, they couldn't win. I mean, Notre Dame can beat a lot of teams on their schedule. I'd say at least nine, where Riley Leonard doesn't have one designed run for him, not one. I could absolutely see that, where he doesn't need to have 18 carries like he had against Notre Dame or 13 like he had against Northwestern or 14 like he had against North Carolina last year, or 14 like he had against Miami, or 13 like he had against BC. He doesn't need to do all that. There will be games, however, where he might need to do that. But now, with the running back room, you don't have to do that. And so that takes some of the burden off of Riley as well. And and the other thing, too, that's going to be interesting is if Notre Dame, I'd like to see Notre Dame kind of maybe have some games they don't use a lot of Riley because that's going to make it so much harder to defend in some of the bigger moments where it's like, okay, they'll use them sometimes, sometimes they won't. And then you come out against Louisville, who hasn't seen a ton of designed quarterback runs, for example, and all of a sudden, boom, your whole first half, you're just a bunch of different quarterback read stuff, and then they're just not prepared for it. Then they adjust at halftime, second half, you don't need it. Now you're now you're countering. There's so much you can do, but having a running back room like they have then could have a great impact on Riley Leonard, but Riley Leonard is also going to impact the running back room. What that's going to look like, I don't know, and that's what's going to be interesting. Third question, will there be a lead back, or will this be a committee situation? I believe it's going to be a committee situation, but we've got to find that out. That That's an unknown. Number four, will the rotation expand, shrink, or stay the same? Last year, there was a lead back. There was two guys that were kind of the, the, the next guys off the bench, and then you had a guy like Jabron Payne who had a very clear role. You had a four-man rotation at running back last year. Occasionally, you'd have five because you'd have Devin Ford in there at times. So you had four to five running backs to play every week. Are we going to see that again? Are we going to see that shrink? Uh, I think the expansion more refers to getting into a situation where you have five. The five was was rare. We didn't see that every week. We saw that you know Ohio State, a couple games like that were, with Devin Ford. It wasn't week after week after week. And how will that how will that roll? So I, I think it's a very fair question. Do they shrink it to three? Does it shrink primarily to two this year, and then the third guy just plays a little bit? I don't know the answer to that question. I have a feeling that we're going to see at least a three-man rotation of getting a lot of touches in certain roles. That would be my guess. And then the last one, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this as we wrap this topic up. That's on, will the pass game role expand for the running backs? This is another projection or maybe hope, wishful thinking and a legitimate question as opposed to, I have data. I have sourcing, and I've got a hint about it this way. This is a genuine question because, as I said, we haven't seen Mike Denbrock in recent years really use his receivers in a way outside of just traditional running back uh, type of route. So when you break down LSU last year, and, and, I'm, and I'm looking at the catches to the running back, it's check downs and it's swing screens, and it's, a, I think, an occasional slip screen. Uh, uh, actually, slide screen, excuse me. They didn't, I, don't, I don't know that I've charted a single slip screen from LSU last year, but a lot of slide screen. Slide screen is basically you run action, you run some kind of run action, you get your running back out in the flats off of it, you, or you can just have like a, just a, a straight, a, a straight um, you know, counter. I mean, there's a lot of different ways they would get to it, but they would have a running back kind of slide outside, 
you'd lead block for him. The quarterback would get outside. He either can run it or or throw it to the back on the screen. They would do that a little bit. They didn't do a ton of – they ran uh, against Florida State on the first drive. They ran a counter throwback to the running back up the left sideline. They didn't do that a ton last year. They did it a couple times. They had a big play. I think it was Auburn. I, th- I, th- uh, I think it was Auburn. It Yeah, might have been Bama. There was another game in there where they had a running back that had a big play up the left sideline as well, but they didn't do it a ton. It was mostly traditional type of stuff. And when you look at the production from the LSU running backs last year, it was solid, but it was ex- what you'd expect from a team that threw the ball as much as they do, where it's a bunch of check down stuff. Your, your top catcher at running back was Josh Williams at 14 catches for 194 yards. Your next top running back, your next running back was Logan Diggs with eight catches for 82 yards. Emory Jr. had three for 58. Trey Bradford had one for 55. You had uh, Caleb Jackson had six for 53. And Noah Kane had one for six. Trey Holly had one for five. So they weren't a team that was throwing the ball a ton last year to their backs. And as I said, a lot of that stuff was just you know, check down stuff, things like that. And so when, when you, when you think about what this group is going to be, I just feel like if you're going to do that with these backs, you're, you're kind of missing out a little bit on what they can bring to the table. And you look at 2021, similar deal. Jerome Ford was your leading run catcher at running back 21 catches for 220 yards. A lot of that was check down stuff. Ryan Montgomery had six, Charles McClellan had five and Ethan Wright had two. So we really don't have a lot of evidence of them throwing the ball to the running backs a ton outside of really the 2015 season with CJ Prosize. And they use CJ a lot more in the running back room, right in the in the throwing game that year. CJ had 26 catches for 308 yards. It wasn't necessarily up from a volume standpoint. Josh had seven catches that year, but it was it was you did some different things with CJ in the throwing game. I, I think of the big play against Clemson that year. I mean, CJ had a 100-yard receiving game that year. And if you remember, one of the plays that kind of got Notre Dame rolling in that game when they were struggling early was the offense was really having a tough time moving the ball. They were really focused on shutting down the run game that season. Clemson gets up to a big lead. If you remember, Notre Dame turned it over. You had the you had the, uh, um, you had the the shanked punt, right? So Clemson goes down and scores on their first drive. You have the shanked punt. They gave him a short field. It's 14 to nothing before he can blink. Notre Dame kicks field goal late, 14 to three. Third quarter, you have a turnover. You, you, you have a turnover that leads to a touchdown. You have another turnover that almost led to another touchdown if Cole Luke doesn't pick it off. I mean, you're just getting your butt kicked. Early in the fourth quarter, Mike Denbrock calls a wheel route. Uh, I think they had, I think that was a play act. No, it wasn't a play action pass. It was, they kind of looked away. They have a wheel route up the right sideline. Deshaun Kaiser hits CJ Prosize, 56 yard touchdown, big play. And CJ had four, ended up having four catches that game. He had four for 56 the next week, five for 32 against USC. They did it five for 43 against Temple. They would do a lot more with him. And then, of course, he got hurt. And the last four games only caught one pass. So his production would have been a lot higher if not for the fact that he got hurt. And and if you also think about it, they went into the year with him not you know not being the lead back. They eventually kind of found that that home for him. That's really the only example we have of a, of a running back under Mike Denbrock being used that way. But that's a great example to me because when 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 I kind of when I kind of look at just 
the example everyone that that you talk about with with him, he only had one back like Jeremiah, and that was CJ Prosize. Well, what did he do when he had that one back? He used him a lot more, used him a lot differently. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that Mike Denbrock will be will do that, but we we really don't know. Are they gonna, you know, it part of it is, is gonna deter, be determined too by how they feel about the receiving core. And you know, do they think they have difference makers there? Do they think that that group steps up? If that group steps up, then you don't need it as much. So then it may not be a volume standpoint. It may be a big play thing. And so that's something I'm looking forward to because I think this particular makeup of this room, like with Audric, Audric could do things in the past game, but I, I kind of felt like, you know, you could have maybe slipped some, done some screens with him and maybe some, some check downs and some swing stuff. But, you know, teams were so focused on Audric and, and Audric, he has good hands and he can he can he can you know make some plays in space but he's not a guy you're going to throw 40 passes to in college so i understand him not doing it a whole lot with with audric but this 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 group is unique in their skill set because all of them are legitimate pass game weapons in different ways as i mentioned earlier jeremiah can do i mean he can be a weapon of the backfield but he can also line up outside and run routes Jadarian brings excellent pass game value as a traditional running back, as does Jabron, as does Devin, as does Keydron. But then Aeneas Williams brings a different skill set as well. So there's a lot of talent and potential, uh, in my opinion, in the running back room for the pass game. And so I want to find out if Mike Denbrock will or won't use it. And that's going to be a big question. So those are the questions that I have about the running back room. And, And, of course, one of the bigger picture ones is, as we discussed earlier, will Mike Denbrock find ways to use two backs at, at a time, whether it's 20 personnel or 21 personnel? That's something I'm very, very curious to see. I doubt – well, there's two ways to look at it. They could do it in the spring just to kind of prepare everybody for it and get teams focusing their game plans on it, and 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 that way you're spreading them a little too thin, or you hide it, you don't show it, and then you break it out against AM. So we we'll see how which direction they go with that, but I'm very curious to see if we if we see more things with this running back room because you're going to have all six running backs available in the spring. It's a lot of running backs. You're not going to have your full complement of receivers because you won't have Bo Collins. Jordan Faison's going to be in and out because of lacrosse. You're not going to have Logan Saldate because he's not an early enrollee. So there's going to be some questions there. Your tight end room's not going to be fully healthy. You know, you're not going to have Mitchell Evans in the spring. So I'm very curious to see how they use that during the spring it's going to be very very interesting and and it's one of the big questions that we're going to see answered so that's the breakdown of the running back room i'm excited about this group i can tell by some of the early comments in the chat and for the most part you guys really stayed locked into the conversation which tells me it's a topic that you guys are very interested in i think there's a lot of people that think this running back room has a chance to be really really good in notre dame circles it's not a group that gets talked about a lot nationally i think that's going to change I think it has a chance to change, and I think that uh, the the arrival of, of Mike Denbrock partnered with with Dylan McCullough, you start getting excited about what it can be. But, uh, this, again, a lot of questions left, but this room has a ton of talent. And if there was one position group that I could say I am the most confident in really being impactful for Notre Dame this season on offense, it would be the running backs because I believe that talent trumps experience at running back more than it does at any other position. And I've said that for a while, and I think that's going to be proven true for the Notre Dame running backs in 2024. So I'm going to move on to the next topic here in a second. 
But before I do, folks, I want, hope you enjoyed this this portion portion of the show. Uh, I want to because the second portion kind of ties a little bit into this one. But I want to thank you for being with me on this part of the show. Before we transition to topic number two, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. I'm going to take a little quick 20-second break to uh, before we transition to the next show. That is enough time for you to quickly go to boards.irishbreakdown.com, click on the, the sign-ups uh, link, login sign-in link, and sign up for a membership. You'll be, back, you'll be able to get that done and be back at boards.irishbreakdown.com before I'm back from this little quick break before we dive into the next topic, which is going to be, does Notre Dame need stars on offense? And if it does, do they have any players that can be that? And who? And that's going to be the next topic on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.